We want to continue our series and actually end up our series today concerning the authority in the Bible. And our topic today is nonetheless more or less important than any other topic that we have discussed thus far. And it's, all, it's, it's the climax or the ending, if you will, of this series. And the question is this morning, what is the church? We could say that if we ask you today to ask, ask you to make a list today of most abused words in religion, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who do not fully understand the meaning of certain words. If we'd done a survey or ask a list, you to make a list, some would get things different wrong, different terms wrong. And we live in a world today where many people abuse Bible words. Many people don't realize, for instance, the word reverend does not refer to a minister, it refers to God. In the book of Psalm, in chapter 111 and verse 9, we see that, that it refers to our God. The word pastor is another word that is abused and misused in our world today. And young people, you need to hear this. The abuse of that word is not the man who stands and preaches to you on a, on a weekly basis. That word is used in the sense of a bishop, an overseer, or an elder that feeds and that leads. Paul addressed that very topic in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. And he addresses what a, an elder is or what a pastor is. And we find it in Acts 20 and verse 28. And, first, and, and Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. We find it also in, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 in the correct use of the word pastor. Again, the word pastor is not the preacher. Now, many people take and, and abuse that word. <clears throat> and it's not used correctly in the world in which we live today. So we need to understand, like Ephesians 4 and 11, and it says, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some uh, pastors and teachers. And again, if you follow the, the train of, of scripture that I gave you, Acts 20 and 28, 1 Peter 5 and 2, Titus and Timothy, it describes what a pastor is. It's that elder, it's the one that oversees. The minister don't oversee the congregation. He ministers to the congregation. He preaches and teaches and serves in that capacity. So unfortunately, people misabuse or abuse those words, reverend and, and pastor, and refers, that refers to the shepherds or the, of a local flock. Some abuse the word fellowship. 
And the word fellowship refers to sharing or joint participation in a spiritual relationship. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. Sometimes people think, well, fellowship is all about eating. Well, in a spiritual sense, we are in fellowship this morning together here eating on the Word of God. But not a physical food which it does mean that, and we do have fellowship in, in our congregation often. But many people mis, uh, mis, misuse that word. What about the word baptism? Some abuse that word. Some call baptism a, a sprinkling or a pouring or a whatever. Baptism is a full immersion. Acts 8, 35 and 39. So this morning, with that said, I want us to think about the word church. Because that's another word that people abuse. In the book of Matthew, you're very aware of, of the discourse there with our Lord and uh, his followers, apostles there. In that discourse with, with Peter, when he says there in Matthew 16... In verse 18, he says, There I say unto thee, thou art Peter. He said, Upon this rock, he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He did not build his church upon Peter, but upon the confession that Peter had made that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, in scriptures that were prior. So a lot of people say they, they don't understand the meaning of the word church. And our Lord makes it very clear in Matthew 16 and 18 that he has a church. But yet, if we were asked, if we were to ask people what the word church means, most would not be able to tell us. And unfortunately, sometimes in the Lord's church, we are not able to be able to describe what the church is. And let me say this morning, on the very beginning, I think and I know that it is critical that you and I can correctly tell people what the church is. And we have to know ourselves. But what if someone asked you this morning, what is the church? What would you say to them? Would you, this morning, effectively be able to tell them from the Bible what the church is? So this morning we want to answer, attempt to answer this very important question of what the church is. I want to share with you this morning three things the church is not. Sometimes to understand what something is, you first have to understand what it's not. And I think this way of approaching this subject this morning will help us better understand and help our young people as well to understand what the church is and what it is not. So the first thing this morning that I want us to think about, what the church is not. The church is not a building. 
all this brick and mortar and sheetrock and paint and lights and carpet and the pews, that is not the church, folks. And you say, well, we come here uh, to the church. Well, no, it's not the church. The church comes to the building. We come into one place together to worship. Because that's what we're instructed in the Bible to do. And what we see from the early church. <clears throat> when you read the scripture this morning in Ephesians chapter 1, what did it say? He gave unto him to be head of all things and his what? Church. The one that he is speaking of in future existence in Matthew 16 and 18. Because the church is not going to come into fruition until existence, until the day of Pentecost. When those about 3,000 souls were baptized into Christ and added to the church daily, Acts 2 and verse 47 at the end of that chapter. The church comes into existence that our Lord is speaking about in Matthew 16 and 18. The church is not the building. Now, when you go into the book of Acts in chapter 5, and I encourage you to turn with me there. Acts chapter 5, this is very important that we understand this. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 11, now notice what it says. And great fear came upon all of what? The church. And upon as many as heard these things. Now I ask you this question. Can fear come upon this building? Can this building be afraid? No, it cannot. Young people, the church is not a meeting place with stained glasses and vaulted ceilings with murals painted everywhere and, and all these things. That is not the church. The people make up the church. Here's the church. Here's this steeple. Here's this doors. Open them up and what? There's the people, isn't it? That's the church. We were taught that as a young, young child. I don't know that we even use that illustration anymore with our children. But it stuck with me that this church, this building is not the church. The steeple wasn't the church. The building, the doors wasn't the church. It was the people that were inside of it. So young people understand that the church is not the building. Why was great fear come upon the church here? Read the scripture before. Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the spirit about what they had sold their property for and gave. Oh yes, we gave it all. And they died, didn't they? And fear come upon the church, not the building. Now notice with me, go on into Acts 8. In the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Notice what it says. 
And Saul was consenting unto his death. Stephen there at the time, therefore, was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, I ask the same question here. Can the church building be persecuted? No, it can't. It can be vandalized. But it says they were scattered. The church was scattered. Can the building grow legs and run away and be scattered? No, it can't. The church is not the building. Again, reiterating, it is the people. You go on over into the book of Acts in chapter 11 in verse uh, 22. And you see that the news of these things came to the ears of the church. Does this building have ears? No, it does not. You get the point, right? The building is not the church. Came to the ears of the church. Now, let's move on. What the church is not, the church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. I can remember people before, years ago for myself, what church do you go to? I go to the church of Christ. You see, people today want a label. I belong to this. That's, not, that's why we do the hashtag thing. That's why we do the stickers and, and all this. I, I'm a member of the Life Church, or I'm a, I'm a this. You know, you wanted to be a member of the church of Christ, the one he built, the one you find in the Bible, the one we read about and we can study about. But the church is not a denomination. And often when I say, I've said through the years, I belong to the church of Christ, they'll say, what denomination is that? You know what? That bothers me. Because young people and older people alike, the church of Christ is not a denomination. You know what denomination is? It's division. And the church of Christ, the one he built, the one he died for, is not divided. Men divide the church. Denominations, other beliefs, come from men and not the Bible. The church is not a denomination. And our Lord had a problem with the church being called a denomination. And he still does today. And you think about this. John chapter 17 and 20 and verse 20 through 23. Our Lord prays for his followers there. And you know the words well. Let's read them together this morning. John 17 and verses 20 through 23. Verse 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be multi multiplied or multi-churches. No, that they all be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, 
I in them, and thou in me, and thou may be made perfect or perfected into one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. You see, Jesus Christ wanted his followers, the church people, to be one, not divided. The problem is, is men have divided what the Lord intended to be unified. But our Lord prayed for that. Paul taught that believers are not to be divided. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul stood firm on that, that believers are not to be divided. And let me tell you again this morning, denominations do not stand for unity. They're about division. And one might say, well, what is a denomination? Anything other than the Christ that church, the, the, the church that Christ died for, and that he said in Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church. That's a denomination. You see, our world don't teach you that. Young people, you're not going to be told that. But anywhere but in the Lord's church. Because denominations, and I know you have friends and you have family, I do too, that are members of the denomination world. That church that does not is the church that we find in the Bible. That's a denomination. That is a divided part of what God intended to be unified. And denominations stand for division. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ never intended for his church to be divided. He never intended for it to have so many different beliefs. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. How, much, how many times do we need to say that? His church. What is the church is not? It's not a building. It's not a denomination. And let me tell you something else. Young folks and everybody else, it is not a social club. So many people today are not concerned whether the church that they're looking for is following the Bible. They're not concerned whether or not the church is teaching the Bible to their young people. They're not concerned how God wants men to worship Him. They want it to fit their needs. They're not concerned about it. All they want is, well, they got a youth program. Can I take and drop them off and let you babysit them for a while? They're not concerned whether they're being taught the gospel a lot in the world today. But it is not a social club. Jesus Christ never intended for the church to be a social club to frolic around and to party all the time and, and to do all these things. Yes, we need fellowship with one another, physical fellowship. But I'm going to tell you what, more so than ever with our young people, we need spiritual fellowship with them. To teach our young people what the church is and what it is not. You know, it's something it's like this. A lot of people today, unfortunately, in the Lord's church, they look at it as a gym membership. 
I might get one of those one day when I retire. Man, and Miss Amanda, we're going to get us a gym membership, Mama. But they look at the church as a gym membership. Well, what do you mean, preacher? They look at the facility and they say, well, is it pretty enough? Is it appropriate enough? Is it appropriate for me to, to have uh, 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 my gatherings that I might need to have or my parties or, or do they serve donuts? They, they look at the facility and see if it's appropriate to meet their needs. And not only, they might look at the equipment. And so does it have everything I need? Does it have the pews I need? And, and does it have the, the, the time and the time that they meet, availability? Does it meet my schedule? Oh, does it have children activities? Does it have children's church? Hmm, like a membership in the gym. Because I, I, when I go to the gym, I, I won't really be disturbed by my children. So when I go to worship, I don't want to do my job as a parent and teach them how to worship. I want to let somebody let them go play and do whatever. Eat snacks. I don't want that responsibility. One might say, does it have basketball? Does it have this and does it have that? You see, people ain't worried about whether they're going to be taught the truth. They're worried about meeting that physical need that they want. You see, the church is not a social club. Well, for the last few minutes that we have together, this is point number two. There was what is what the church is not, and then we describe that. What the church is. The church is the people of God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 11 once again. People who obeyed God, people who were justified, and people who were redeemed who were washed in the blood of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ and added to the Lord's church, that is the church, the people of God. It's that simple, folks. As I noted back up there in the very beginning, fear cannot come upon a building, but it can come upon people. That's the Lord's church. Acts 5 and 11, once again. A building cannot be persecuted but people can, Acts 8 and 1. And a building does not have ears to hear news, but people do, Acts 11 and 22. And let me share with you this morning that the church is one body. Denomination attempt to make the church into many bodies. But the Bible speaks very boldly about one body. And that's the body of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, he says, 
You are the people who obeyed God. You are the people who've changed your life. And now you're going another direction. And you're seeking to worship Him how He wants you to worship Him. We've got one body. One faith. It's that simple. We as Christians need to seek the true church. Ephesians 1 and 22 have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. Again, what? The church. One body. Yeah. Ephesians 4 and verse 4. We've quoted it a lot. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who, who is above all and, and bringeth all and, and in you all and through all and in you all. One Lord, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is the head of, of that one body. No man on this earth, no pastor, no reverend, no pope that has headquarters in the cathedral, whatever. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Matthew Scoggins is not the pastor, I'm the minister. Our pastor are Jimmy and Jimmy. That's the elders and the bishops. They oversee the church, not me. Our headquarters are not down in Nashville, they're in heaven. Our leader and our head sits at the right hand of the Father this very moment. He guides us on what we must do. He tells us and shows us through his word. The church is the people. The church is one body. The church is a spiritual family. The church, the true church, the people that make up the body of Christ are concerned with promoting the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ and worshiping God in spirit and in truth, John 4, and taking care of the most important thing, and that's the souls of people and not the physical body of the people. You ever wondered why it ain't because we don't have the money or have the, the, the means to go borrow the money or to pay it off or whatever because this congregation paid this building off in supersonic time. But it's not that we don't have the means or the space to put a gym out here. We could do that. But you know why we don't do that? is because there's better use of the Lord's money. Oh, we could soup it up around here. We'd be the mega church in Jackson County. But what are people going to be more concerned with? The social aspect or the spiritual aspect? You see, there has to be a, a very, very, very fine line that you don't cross in that. And it has to have heavy consideration. So yes, we could have those things. And I'm thankful that our elders think the way they think. 
I hope you do. Oh, you can drive 15, 20, 30 minutes and find you something like that. Sure can. See, instead of promoting parties and baseball teams and all of this stuff, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with, with Christian fellowship and doing things together. I'm not saying that. But when that takes precedence over spiritual matters, we have a problem. So this morning, are you a member of the Lord's church? That's the question. There may be those that are sitting in our midst this morning that have never been baptized into the body of Christ. If you're not, you're lost. You're lost. You may be a great person, and I'm sure you are. I know many of you, all of you. But if you're not baptized into the body of Christ, and being fully immersed and added to the body of Christ and made that commitment to him. You're lost this morning. Your soul, if you should die today, will live eternally in the fires of hell. That should scare anybody. Vince, if you've never been burned, you really don't understand the fires of, of the pain of fire, do you? Or pain of, pain of uh, being burned. I laid in Huntsville burn unit, Vince, similar thing, under an oxygen tent for nearly a month with half of my body burned, but you could see the muscles. And I can remember being in so much excruciating pain for those times that they, they knocked me out. But I can remember until they'd done that, I was like, man, and as I got older, I got thinking, I said, man, if that's what hell's like, I only experienced it for a month or two. Can I think eternally on that? I can't even imagine that. It never stopping. It was some of the worst pain. It was where I was just rolling the bed and, 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 and scratch and claw and pull and, and moan and holler. You see, that's what hell's going to be like. And if we don't live our life accordingly here, that's where we're going and we're going to miss heaven. You can go to heaven. You've got to get rid of what you've been taught through denominations. You've got to get rid of what man has put in your head and you've got to go to that Bible. And you've got to say, what does it tell me to do to become a Christian first? What does it tell me to do on how to worship God correctly and do it and live faithful. Obey the gospel. This morning, maybe you've put it off and you know you need to be baptized into Christ. And you continue to put it off. You know, there was a, there was a story in the book of Acts, man, you almost persuaded Sal me. Come back a more convenient time. Today you may be thinking, well, I've got to go do this. More, maybe I'm going to think seriously about this, and when I get everything fixed in my life, then I'm going to do that. Let me tell you, you'll never do it. You'll never get your life fixed. You'll never get it all lined up because that's what life is. 
God can help you line it up, but you got to have him first. You can't do it on your own. My plea and, and our congregation's plea to you this morning, if you're here and you're not a Christian, we hope and pray that you can become a Christian and be a part of the Lord's church. Because there's hope for you. Maybe this morning you've fallen away. And you've said things and done things. And, and you know that with what you have right now, you can't go to heaven with what's in your life. You know that. The way I'm living, I can't go to heaven right now the way I'm living. I need to make a change. We encourage you to do that. Don't continue in sin. There's no shame in that. Come forward and let us pray for you and with you. Repent of those sins. Confess them. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come as together we stand and as we sing.